Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well. And welcome to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Today, we're going to touch on a topic that is brought up a lot, and that's should you invest while you're in debt? Uh, And specifically, we're going to talk about student loan debt, because this is a really, really tough topic and decision to make. And so to help me discuss this topic, I'm joined by the hardest working millennial that I know, Aaron Lowry. (laughs) How's it going, Aaron? Well, thanks for having me. That is such a lovely tag in, and I'm totally stealing that and putting it on all of my social media bios. <laughs> well, it's true. You are. You're all, you're always doing something and something great. So I, I'm, I'm always watching and uh, really admiring all the work you're doing. So I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it. I think my friends and family call it overcommitting, but I like how you're <laughs> positioning it. <laughs> it's all about how you frame it, right? Yep. <laughs> and Aaron may sound familiar. You were way back on episode 33, which was on December 11th, 2017, which feels like a decade ago, but it was like a year and a half at this point. I feel like in podcasting years, like blogging years, it is dog years. So like every yeah. one is probably seven. So it was about a decade ago then if we look at it that way. Yeah, it was the internet decade ago. And <laughs> and in that episode, we discussed your first book, Broke Millennial, Stop Scraping By and Getting Your Financial Life Together. And I thought it was only right that you're back on to discuss your latest book, which is coming out this April 9th, which I'm really excited to, to see it come out. It's Broke Millennial Takes on Investing, A Beginner's Guide to Leveling Up Your Money. And so before we even jump into what we're going to talk about today, you mind tell us a little bit about the book and you know what's going on? Well, the title does say it all. And the thing that I like to really focus in on is that beginner's guide to leveling up your money. Because listen, there are a lot of great investing books on the market. But the problem is a lot of them are written with this assumption that you have some sort of baseline understanding of the market, how it works, or at least the terminology. And my book does not assume that at all, because I did not know when I started trying to figure out how to invest what any of these terms meant. And I wanted a place to go and figure it out. And after writing my first book, there's a tiny investing chapter in book number one. And I started getting all these emails and direct messages from people saying like, hey, I still don't get it. And I thought, I think I can solve this problem. (laughs) And it's important to know I'm not an investing expert. I don't pretend to be one. What I did is I went out and interviewed a bunch of incredibly smart people and took that knowledge and tried to distill it in a way that I felt was much more accessible. So I like to think of myself as more of a translator. And that's the function that I'm serving in this book. That's a great way to describe that. Because yeah, when I was reading through it, it, it's written in a way that anyone can understand. You, You go through, if there's any term that would even be possible to misunderstand, you break it down. And I think that's really helpful. And I think that keeps people continuing to read the book instead of just hitting something and say, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't even know what's going on. So I definitely think it's a great guide for people to, to get in and even understand what's what's going on with all this investing stuff. And those terms, so many terms are so complicated. And sometimes it feels like maybe it's deliberate. A little bit of tinfoil hat conspiracy theory going <laughs> on. I'm like, I don't know that we need to have four different terms for the same concept. And yet, we do. Exactly. So appreciate you putting in that hard work and, and helping people out. Absolutely. <laughs> For today, I was going to pull one that one specific part of your book that I really thought would be helpful to listeners. And that was on the topic of should you invest while you're in debt, specifically when it comes to student loan debt? Uh, because I think now at this point, it's almost safe to assume if you walk outside and point at somebody, they have probably have some student loan debt sitting there somewhere. What what for you is something that you know people should consider if they have student loan debt and they also want to invest? What, what would be the first thing you would say they should look at? The very first thing is to consider a retirement plan. And one of the things that I want to say right up front is I am on a crusade, a campaign, whatever you want to call it, to change the language we use about retirement. Because we say save for retirement, but really we're investing for retirement. 
And language has power. And I want you to say it that way because I want you to feel like, hey, I'm an investor. I'm investing in the market. So automatically, it takes a little bit of that fear, a little bit of that intimidation out. So if you have student loan debt, but you also have access at work to a 401k or a 403b, and especially if there's an employer's match, that's a really easy way to get started. Maybe in the beginning, you don't have enough discretionary income to, and I probably shouldn't even call it discretionary. Maybe there's just not enough room in your budget to be putting 4%, 5% to get enough of the employer match. Start with one. Then you at least get a little bit of a match. So you're already at 2%, which is great. And it gets you in the habit. And every six months, reevaluate and try to push it up one more percent until you reach your goal. Now, for those of you who are self-employed, I always like to plug this in because I am too. And I can just hear you being like, well, I don't have that. I get it because I don't either. Look into an IRA or a SEP IRA or a solo 401k. If you're just getting started, a Roth IRA is a very easy way to go. You probably don't have more than $6,000 to sock into it. So it's an okay way to get started right in the beginning. But as you grow, you might want to look into a SEP IRA or a solo 401k because it enables you to put a little bit more money away as you and your business continue to flourish. I love that because, you know, the, especially that point you made of just even if you just need to start with 1%, you're starting with something. Because uh, another point that you mentioned in the book was, you know, if you wait, if you potentially wait until you're done with paying off all of your debt, specifically student loan debt, which could be huge, you know, you're kind of pushing that start of your investing way out into the future. And time is going to be one of your best friends when it comes to investing. It is your number one best friend. And the thing too with time is so many of us, you know, you're on not a 10-year repayment plan, which is standard. You could be on a 20, 25 year because you might be on an income-driven repayment plan. And if you wait until you're in your late 40s to early 50s to get started, you've really lost a lot of the big advantage you have of being young. And that's not to discourage anyone who might be listening who is starting in their 40s or 50s, but it is to say that if you have the advantage of time, even if it's a small amount that in your mind sounds inconsequential, trust me, it does make a difference and it's a good way to get started. I wanted to touch on this other item that you mentioned in the book, and you go into great detail on comparing interest rates. So, you know, looking at the interest rate that you're paying on your student loan itself, and then also, you know, what type of interest rate return you would get on your money that you're investing. And there's some great examples in the book that you really go through in detail to kind of show that comparison. But we'll try our best to maybe give like a simplified version here. You know, what is, what, what is that comparison you're talking about when you're looking at interest rates between the two things you're looking at? Yeah, I think even before that part in the book, I say like, buckle up, because that's how it feels <laughs> in that part of the book. It is a lot of number crunching. And that was more just to illustrate a point. I think the interest rate part is the most critical when you're doing the math on how to be investing while you carry debt. When you have consumer debt, and by that, I usually mean credit cards, as do most people, or any sort of high interest rate debt. So 15%, 20%, 30%, you want to be paying that off aggressively. Because to be honest, the odds of you out earning that in the stock market, at least on average, is slim to none. So it makes sense financially to be ditching that high interest rate debt quickly. Again, caveat being employer match on a retirement plan that you want to be taking advantage of. I like to always keep plugging that in. <laughs> but you do want to be getting aggressively rid of that high interest consumer debt. But now when we reposition to look at student loans specifically, it's a hard question because you might be investing for retirement and then you're still paying off your student loans, but there's other goals that you have. And maybe you think, I want to be earning more than 2% interest rate on my savings account, or for some people who might still be in 0.01%, which please change 
you need to be earning a better interest rate on your savings account. I, I totally understand and empathize why you want to invest in what we call a taxable account. So not a retirement account, a taxable account. So the problem is you got to do the math. What are the interest rates on your student loans? Because some people have higher interest rates. It could be 7%. It could be 12%, especially if you're looking at private loans. Sometimes those suckers have very high interest rates. And it still might make more sense to be more aggressive with your student loan debt. I pose this question to every single investing expert I talked to for the book. And almost across the board, the answer was 5% being the rule of thumb. Mm, If your student loans are under 5%, you know what? You can probably balance them in. Again, investing for retirement. But if you also want to be investing in a taxable account, if you're under 5%, all right, probably mathematically can make sense. If your risk tolerance and debt tolerance emotionally allows you to do it, okay, go ahead, play around. One thing to consider is no one ever regretted paying off debt quickly. So it totally depends, (laughs) totally depends on you, your risk tolerance, your debt tolerance. And if you think like, hey, I'm just going to put money away for retirement. Other than that, I'm focusing on my student loans. That's also an okay answer. So you have to do the math and you also have to do what's best for you and your mental health. That was a great breakdown. I I was like... Even for me, that would have been hard to try to explain that and break that down. That was, that was a really good ex- explanation. And I I think if you like this type of information that you're hearing and you're like, this is great. I want to know more about this stuff. I think picking up Aaron's book is going to be a great way to kind of dive even more and kind of just feel more comfortable when it comes to investing. So April 9th is release date, right? Am I, am I getting that right? It is. And I have a little bonus for everyone listening. So if you either pre-order or just regular order a copy of the book, and if you send an email to info at brokemillennial.com, we'll get the info in that show notes. If you put proof of purchase in the body of your email and put popcorn finance in the subject line, I will send you back a little 30-day rookie investor action list. It kind of looks like a day planner, and every day there's just one small task that you can do to move towards becoming a more confident investor. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you for doing that. I I think that would be great for everyone out there. See, that's why I call you the hardest working millennial. So thank you. I really appreciate you putting that together and offering that to the listeners. Absolutely. Is there anything else that we should know about you, about your book, anything you have going on that you want to let us know before we get out of here? Well, to earn my title as the hardest working millennial, (laughs) book two comes out April 9th. As Chris said, I'm also going on tour and this is not your average book tour. So it's not just author pop-up and signings in bookstores. It is actually full on events that I wanted to be educational in order to provide that value back to you and the community. And so if you check out brokemillennial.com slash tour, all the details there. As of this recording, New York City, Atlanta, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, LA. We have more on deck coming. So if you live off the coast, I totally hear you. More are being rolled out. And each event will offer very educational information. It's me, some of my finance buddies talking about investing, answering your questions. You get a copy of the book if you come and food and drink will be there too. That's great. And like you said, I'm going to put all this information in the show notes so everyone can get that and uh, go check out one of these tour locations. And if you're in the LA area, I'll be there. So please, it'd be nice to see you in person. If any of you are around and you want to stop by and hear from Erin and some other great speakers she's going to have there and get a copy of her book, show up. I'll be great to hang out with y'all. So thank you again, Erin. I really appreciate you uh, being here. And this is going to be a week full of Broke Millennial because you're going to be back for another bonus episode. We're going to be doing a, a debate. I'll just tease the topic. It has something to do with Netflix. I'm not going to say too much more, but come back if you want to hear me lose in another debate uh, against Aaron. So <laughs> and make sure you do that. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you all listening. And Aaron, uh, I guess I'll be talking to you in a couple days. All right, let's do it. Your boy, keep it popping like Mary Poppins.